0: Your state. Your team. Your show. This is Sports Nightly.
1: Missouri in the backfield from the 23-yard line. Snap back. Play action. Back to throw as Martinez has some time. Sets guns to the end zone. Open as J.D. Makes the catch down the field, Martinez to J.D.
0: Sports Nightly during the holidays is presented by the Woodhouse Auto Family. With over 6,000 new and pre-owned vehicles in stock, visit woodhouse.com to browse the entire inventory. Now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Ben McLaughlin. We're back
1: for another week of Sports Island here on the Husker Sports. I hope you enjoyed the beautiful weather this weekend. Man, it was great to be outside, outside again today. We better take advantage of these. There are probably only a few left before we turn this – into a winter season around the state of Nebraska. Well, we're going to recap the Wisconsin game coming up here this hour. We'll also try to sneak in a few cuts from Scott Frost's press conference from earlier today, covered a wide, and I mean a wide variety of topics. They got into all kinds of things, including what Tim had for you there in the ticker, how much do the guys sleep? I mean, when you're getting into that, you're really getting down into the nitty-gritty Getting the team ready to play. Uh, We'll have our, our men's basketball show for the week coming up in hour number two. Head coach Fred Hoiberg will be here. The Oscars picked up their first win of the season on Friday night over South Dakota State. They have another four days off before they play Southern. But then it will get busy as on Saturday... They fly to the Cayman Islands, the Cayman Islands tournament beginning next Monday, where they'll have three games in three days. So the head coach will be here in hour number two. We'll have our weekend rewind, and Adam Rittenberg, BSPN.com, will join us as he does each and every Monday to talk about the national scene of college football. A couple of more undefeated teams gone after the weekend. Minnesota gets beat by Iowa, Baylor surrenders a 25-point lead at home to Oklahoma. So they're no longer in the ranks of the unbeaten. And as always, uh, love to hear from you, particularly after a Monday and a Husker football weekend, 866-HUSKER-1, 866-487-5371. Nebraska comes up short in their upset bid of 14th-ranked Wisconsin on Saturday. The Badgers win it 37-21. to There were some things that were really intriguing maybe surprising might be the better word ben and and that would have been how easily it seemed like nebraska moved the football now it didn't result in a ton of points only 21 but they came up seven yards short of 500 in the game they were down inside the red zone a couple of different times and i know people are talking about well in the second half they got in the red zone three times and came away with just seven points but the last two times they got in the red zone. They needed touchdowns, not field goals, so they went for it on fourth down. They could have had points, but they needed seven and not three there. And so they went for it on fourth down and got stopped at the 15-yard line, one drive, and then at the goal line, basically the next drive. Either one of those punch in, and you got a one-score game and uh, certainly some drama there. But Nebraska found some things offensively. Dedrick Mills with a career-high 188 on the ground. Uh, There was some big plays. How about this? Nebraska had 12 plays in the game, Ben, for over 20 yards. On the season before that game, Wisconsin's defense had given up 25 plays of 12 or more yards. The Huskers had 12 in that one game. But in the end, it's still a loss, and this team's still searching for for the right combination to get into the win column.
2: Yeah, there's a lot to like about what you saw on Saturday. Um, and I think it, it starts on the offensive side, as you kind of laid out. I, I think a lot of credit's due to Dedrick Mills, the offensive line, and the coaches for the plan they had um, for Wisconsin. I think, you know, of all the things that we're going to talk about tonight and throughout the week that, that this game had, I think, you know, one thing is for sure. Um, two different times now we've been coming off a bye. And you've seen these coaches put on a great plan. You know, they get some extra time. Um, You know, you've seen how effective they can be with extra time and scheming for an opponent. So, um, you know, of all the talk of Coach Frost and right guy this, right guy that, bull game this, bull guy that, extension is at the right time or not. these guys have proven they're good coaches. Um, You know, when it comes time to scheming things and breaking down film and how they can exploit certain things, there's no arguing the fact that you give them extra time. They're going to put together a solid plan. I mean, if you would have told me Nebraska would have had those numbers without Wandale before the game started, I probably would have laughed at you. And and I think a lot of us probably felt that way. To put 500 yards of offense on that defense – um, it's pretty incredible and, and I'm, I'm, I'm happy for the players for coming out and playing that hard. Uh, but again, you know, we sit here and, and, and break down and we're gonna talk over the course of the night uh, six or seven plays in that game that Nebraska either did or did not execute that were the difference in the game. I know um, you know losing by 16 and it, it should have been less than that. The, the, the final score didn't indicate how close that game was. You know, people are, are taking solace in that, but I'm still a little frustrated. I feel like Nebraska could have won that game. And, you know, there's certain things that, that happened. The kick return was the first one, and Coach Frost addressed that both at his postgame press conference and at the press conference today. You know, you have a chance to, to take over a game or at least get some momentum in a game, and you give it right back to them. Uh, the tipped interception was one, too. You, you get the short field right back. And,. Um, you know, Wisconsin's a good enough team where they take advantage of those types of things. You thought maybe, you know, Nebraska um, would kind of flip the script after forcing that fumble on Jonathan Taylor early in the game when they were driving down on their, I think it was their first drive um, where JoJo popped that ball out. And I don't know how the heck, for the life of me, that ball stayed in bounds, but it did. I mean, it literally the, the nose of the football bounced right next to the sideline and kicked back in bounds. And you're thinking this might be our day um Nebraska goes down and takes advantage of it they even hold Wisconsin to a few field goals but there are a few plays taking the sack you know that 20 yard loss Barrett missing the field goal at 41 yards I mean he makes that you're not forced to go for it on fourth down you kick the field goal it's still a one score game you get the ball back it's a completely different feel that game that crowd's still into it um and then again Nebraska gets stuffed at the at the goal line again so You know, yes, there were some good things, and I walked out of there pretty optimistic for the rest of the year. But, you know, when you look at it, they weren't that many plays away from winning that football game. And, you know, that that still frustrates me a little bit.
1: Yeah, they didn't get really any pressure on Cone. There were two quarterback hurries from the defense. They had only one tackle for a loss in the game. So you just didn't create many negative plays defensively. I'm with you. It was great to see Nebraska bow up in the red zone three different times and keep the Badgers to field goals instead of touchdowns. But when you're not making negative plays and you only force one turnover, as good as Jonathan Tater is and as efficient as their offense is, they're probably going to make enough plays to score in the 30s off of you. Um, uh, You're right. I mean, again, there was a lot of things in there that was pretty encouraging. And and for me, it starts with Mills. We've not seen Mills look like that really all year long. I know he got over 100 yards against Northern Illinois, but that's Northern Illinois. That's not Wisconsin's defense. Um, A little disappointed hearing today from the coach that he was kind of gassed by the second half. I mean, I know he's running hard. 17 carries, you would think a guy this point in time of the season would have not been gassed
2: after 17 carries but that's why he wasn't out there for some big plays in the fourth quarter well i think i think the i mean 17 doesn't seem like a lot but i mean it was almost a third of nebraska's snaps right so they did because they didn't snap the ball that much but um those were physical yards i mean that team even those tackles he was breaking there there were solid hits on him and he was bouncing off and um, uh, the, the reason why he was gas is because there were 20 yard runs and followed by a 15 yard run followed by a 10 yard run. Uh, you know, if if he's getting stuff for one or two yard gains, he's probably got a little more in the gas tank. I, I I'm with you though. It, the, the way that Nebraska was able to move the ball on the ground, I'm, I'm so happy for Diedrich and. You know, kid's been through a lot in his life and obviously made some poor choices at Georgia Tech, ended up at, at junior college, and Nebraska gave him a shot to be running back. And, you know, I talked to him after the game. This is what he wanted, you know, that he wanted a game like that. He's been waiting for a game like this where he could be the guy. And how many times did we hear that with Divine last year where, you know, it's hard to get in a rhythm and, you know, when you're a running back and every time that, you get tackled and you look over your shoulder and waiting for somebody to come in for you. It's not the best feeling to have, and, and you know, in this case with with Diedrich on Saturday, it was literally you can carry the ball as much as you physically could, and and that was a great feeling for him. I know he was, uh, you know, very pleased with his effort. Obviously, he, he would have loved to to come out on top, but you know, this is what he's been waiting for. This is what he came to Nebraska for. And also, big kudos to that offensive line, too. I I echo the thoughts of the head coach. I thought that was their best game so far this year.
1: Earlier today, the head football coach had his weekly press conference and was started off by talking about the defense, which has come up tonight at a couple of different times, and about that 30-point barrier. He made a comment about that after the game. He expanded on that more today.
3: That goes all the way back to my time running this offense at, at Oregon. I forget the exact number, but in seven years we were something like 61 and two or something when we scored 31 as an offense. And don't quote me on that precisely, but it was a real high winning percentage when we 31 seemed to be the magic number. Um, But again, in certain games, you you point the finger at one uh, phase of our team, and in other ones, it's another one. We've we've won games nine to six and 13 to 10 here. So um, we just got to put it all together as a team. Just right now, it seems like when we play well in one phase, the other two aren't as good, and and vice versa. So we got to put a complete one together as a team.
2: Yeah, I mean, I I would agree with that last part completely. There's been times this year where the defense has been really, really good, and the offense has been really, really good. And even special teams keeping Nebraska around the game, and specifically in that Purdue game. Um, I think you saw a little bit of all of that at different times in the Colorado game, Um, depending on which quarter you are watching. But I mean, 31 points is a good place to start. And you got to think with the way Coach Frost coaches offense that they're going to get there more times than not.
1: He was pleased with some young defensive players who got to play with the injuries up front to Darian Daniels and Carlos Davis. Here's his take on that.
3: Yeah, I mean, there, there's bright spots there with some of the, the way some of our young guys have been playing. Uh, and several of them have gotten opportunities to get in and get their feet wet in college football and thought they did a good job. Uh, Ty Robinson stands out from Saturday he held his own out there Um, Garrett Nelson keeps playing better and better and there's guys at at different positions that have taken advantage of their chances as well
1: and on the offensive side he was asked to assess Adrian's play on Saturday
3: yeah I thought Adrian looked more like the Adrian we all expected Saturday thought he ran with a purpose uh, made some really good throws um, you're never going to play a perfect game at any position. Uh, it's just obvious at quarterback to everybody since that's where the eyes are when there aren't um, good plays. And and he had a few. I think that we can still get fixed, but uh, that's a lot closer to the uh, play that we all expect from a player of Adrian's caliber.
2: The sack and the turn and the pick. Yeah. Two bad ones. Yeah, but I mean, it was nice to see him pop a couple long runs I know there's been a lot of question about his speed this year and when Nebraska's backs were up against that goal line to see him rip off that run and that could have even been more yards too but and then you had the sideline penalty on that play too there was a lot going on there but it means a lot to Adrian and it does just to see you know his emotion and and you know him leaving it all out there on the field he's surely taking his fair share of criticism this year but he got and off Twitter. He's He did, yeah. He's leaving it all on the line, and that's all you can ask. We've talked
1: a lot tonight about the extension that was announced on Saturday for the head coach. Here's his thoughts. There's
3: good, there's good coaches in this league. Uh, everywhere I've gone, there's been good coaches, um, definitely good coaches in this league. Um, you know, I talked about this is where we wanted to be. This is the program that I care about. I gonna do everything I can to get it fixed and we're going to get it fixed. Um, one of the other things I, we all really appreciated about this school and the Big Ten in general is there's some uh, length to coaching tenures in this league. And that's not always the case in a couple other uh, power five leagues. Um, like I said, I'm grateful to, to Ronnie and Bill and the leadership on this campus for having faith in us. Uh, this is this was a, a fix and we're in the process of getting it fixed and it's going to happen. but i um, grateful for the people in Nebraska that are as impatient as I am but that trust us and grateful to the people on campus that uh, that trust us as well.
1: And one quick thought about Maryland, the opponent coming up on Saturday. The coach has asked what st- stands out about the Terps.
3: Yeah, I think they're a, a team that's in the, a growth curve similar to us. You see them doing a lot of really good things. I think they're really athletic. Um, Obviously, the results probably haven't been what they wanted, or similar to where we are right now. I think it's two teams that um, both need a win. And I think both teams are probably going to pour a lot into this.
1: Maryland's hard to figure out. They were awesome those first couple weeks. And then it's just kind of, then Penn State came in on, was I think that was a Friday night game, and just embarrassed them. And they haven't been the same since.
2: Yeah, they were the story in college football through the first two weeks. Um, I, they're one of a handful of schools in the in the history of college football to <laughs> score seventy in a season and allow seventy in a season. Yeah, um, and they they were dumping it on everybody in in the beginning of the year, scoring at will, and it's it's been tough sledding for them since. They've had a few injuries, and I think Coach Loxley's run into his first chunk of adversity, and they're having a hard time pulling themselves off the mat. It's a good opportunity for Nebraska to go to go take care of business on the road on Saturday, first time ever playing them there in football. Yeah. You've been there for some hoops games. Hoops and not yet baseball next year. You, uh, you, <laughs> Am I in for a treat? Yeah. Do they still have concrete in the field? I don't know. I think they took that out. That's it's, good. It was, you don't like concrete in the middle of left center field.
1: It's not a good facility. <laughs> <laughs> if we're going to
2: be hitting in, and, in hey, April. you know, it was. I had good luck there in hoops. You did? We had a 20-point comeback, and that was almost Kent was Pavelka's. Was that like a New Year's Eve yeah. game or something? That was almost Kent Pavelka's last game on the radio. Just about died, he died Almost didn't make it. Yeah. Blood pressure got a little out of whack. Yeah. I I say that making fun of him but it was a pretty scary situation at the time but he he made it out so we can joke about it now. <laughs> Very good.
1: You're you're not ducking out. You're going this weekend. You're not going to the Caymans, right? You're no. going.
2: No, I I I used my uh <laughs> My non-continental trip already with yeah, basketball. I, I burned my pass. So <laughs> you did. I'll be going to College Park instead. <laughs> Very good.
1: Uh, rain. Better bring your rain suit. Talking my rain um, on. Yeah,
2: you know I am I'm, I'm due for a couple of bad Saturdays. I've I've had pretty good luck. It was great. It was beautiful. We hot down here? No, just perfect. I I dressed perfectly. And I've had pretty we- – not just I, but, I mean, it's been pretty yeah. tolerable conditions for the football guys really all year. So Last year we had some tough ones. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. We had some tough ones last year.
0: Tonight. It's the Nebraska Basketball Radio Show, right here on the Husker Sports Network. Rebound, Wade Drago, he dribbles the football ball down the floor, gives it off to Burke. Burke puts it up, and in, and an M1. What a pass by the big man. Wade Drago down the floor, and the finish by Deshaun Burke. An inside look at what's going on around Nebraska basketball. Shot blocked partially by Cross, loose on the floor. Wilson gets it again, and now Cross off his miss. Behind the back dribble, Kevin Cross, across the timeline, change of speed. Puts it up and in. Kevin Cross. In line to end line with a finish. With the head coach, Fred Hoiberg. Left side, Cheatham. Rush green, cross for Cheatham. The spin. Bounce pass, sideline in the corner. Step back, three, cross. Got it. Off the assist from Cheatham. And the crowd comes alive. Sponsored in part by your Midwest Ford dealers. Visit online at yourmidwestforddealers.com. Now here's your host of the Nebraska Basketball Radio Show, Greg Sharp. Thank you. Welcome to our men's basketball show for the
1: week. Here are the numbers if you want to be a part of this one. 866-HUSKER-1, 487 5371 The Huskers coming off of a 90-73 to win over South Dakota State Friday night. Your first win at Nebraska. Congrats. Thank you. Thank you, Greg. A lot of good things in
4: there. I thought the first half you guys were attacking the rim and really getting after it. Yeah, it was uh, it was phenomenal. I, I love the pace. You know, I talked to our guys about how important it was to get out and establish tempo in that game, and uh, they bought into it, and it was fun to, uh, wow, that was a pretty impressive dunk right there. Sorry, we're <laughs> watching. Michigan State <laughs> yeah. on it, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was a uh, you know really good performance, something certainly we can build on, a good confidence builder for our group. How much did your defense help fuel some of that in the first half? A lot. That, that, that really was what I thought keyed uh, that start that we had to get up by 31 points in that first half. And that's a good team we played. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a team that has won their league three straight times. They lost some key pieces, uh, but they played well uh, early in the season. They gave USC all they wanted on their home court. Uh, had that thing in a two possession game with under three minutes to play, and uh, you know just didn't finish it out. But you know it's a team that uh, plays the right way, plays hard, uh, you know tries to come out and and, uh, and dictate tempo. So you know for us to establish that early in the game was very important. Deshawn Burke got off to a really good start for you Friday night. Yeah, Burke was great. He, he was aggressive. He was taking the right shots. I thought he played within himself. And again, I, I thought uh, you know one of my favorite possessions, really my favorite possession of the year so far. They scored. Uh, we got the thing in. Threw it ahead. One dribble. Uh, lay up right back at him. We call that our answer back, and you know, don't hang your heads after a basket. Get that thing in quick and try to get that uh, answer back as quickly as possible. So, uh, had some really good possessions, uh, and again, the pace was exactly where we wanted it. Cheatham finished off that break, if I remember right. He he was in double figures, probably by far his best game at Nebraska. Yeah, and I'll say this: I, I thought Hanif. You talked about the defense, Greg. I thought Hanif was the one that really keyed that, and fueled it. Uh, he had a tough matchup uh, with Doug Martin, who had really uh, he was averaging about twenty-four points a game at 32 uh, in his previous game and you know really good rebounder and had size advantage on Hanif so uh, I thought he really went out and battled it uh, you know got a couple deflections got some turnovers and that's what really fueled our uh, our fast break. Cam Mack is quickly
1: becoming a fan favorite 24 points three steals he also contributed that defensive pressure he, he is just fun and creative with the ball.
4: Yeah you know again another guy that's really fast with the ball he, he was the junior college point guard of the year uh, last season and you know first time playing at this level so there's gonna- to be some ups and downs, and uh, you know we've seen that uh, for the f- through these first three games. But uh, he was terrific, and you know I give our guys credit for bouncing back after a tough loss, uh, double overtime loss. Uh, really had good workouts and in in uh, practices, and the prep uh, was on point. I thought the attention to detail uh, was was exactly where it needed to be uh, after that tough loss, heading into a game uh, that we had to get off to a good start. And uh, and again, they bought into that, and hopefully this is one we can build on.
1: As you mentioned, the. Jackrabbits are, are a competent team, so you're up 24 and a half. What is the message at halftime to not just give up and let them back in the game?
4: What, what do you say to a team at that Well, a big thing is to step on them and, and try to keep them down. You, you can't let a team come out and get confidence. We saw that in Italy. We had one of our uh, games right. over there where we had a big lead at halftime and, and let a team you know, just kind of hang around and go on a big run uh, against us. So you know, the, the big thing is you know, the importance of the first five minutes of that second half to either put the team away or, if you don't, you don't come out with the right intensity, you allow them back in it, and you're going to be in a dogfight. All the way to the end. And, you know, our guys came out. You know, I didn't, defense wasn't nearly as good in the second half. They got in the paint way too many times. Uh, But that being said, you know, you you never want to get in a game where you're trading baskets, but, you know, we continue to score at a a pretty high clip. Uh, But we got to be better than that in the defensive end. When you get a team down 24, you want to extend that thing up to 35. And, you know, we didn't do that. We allowed them to kind of hang around, but we made enough plays to, uh, you know, to win that game. I just saw you, particularly in the first half,
1: you attack the rim so much better. Instead of
4: settling. Jumper. You took it to the hole. We took it to the hole, a big part of that, though, we did hit some shots. And when you do hit shots, that loosens up the defense. They're a team that really packs it in, and you know their pickup point against certain teams uh, that they played against was really almost at the free throw line, almost daring you to shoot. So you know the fact that we were able to hit some of those shots to loosen it up a little bit did create some of those driving lanes. And that was Burke hitting a couple of those jumpers early in the game for you. All right, the coach is with us tonight eight six six
1: Husker one eight six six four eight seven five three seven one. Let's go to Grand Island. Hello, Chris. You're up first with Coach Hoiberg.
5: Hi, Coach. How are you this evening?
1: Yeah, good,
4: Chris. How are you?
5: Not too bad. Uh, congrats on the first one of the season. Thank you. Um, for your uh, first three games of your season and with having the whole new roster and all new coaching staff, what can you take away from the first three games of the season and use it towards the rest of your non-conference and when the uh, Big Ten conference play starts up here?
4: Yeah, well, thanks for the question, Chris. I we can take a lot from all those games and, you know, I thought for the first time this group was put together, we talked a lot about how we would handle uh, a tough stretch and how we would handle adversity. And in that first game, we did not handle it well. And uh, you saw the end result. We ended up losing, uh, you know, in a big way uh, to a team that, uh, you know, again, they had some good pieces, some solid players, but, uh, you know, we did not handle that stretch of basketball well. And I thought the second game we came out, we played better. Uh, the effort I thought was good pretty much the entire game. They slowed it down. They ran a little press into a zone, uh, which slowed the tempo. Uh, but then, you know, again, coming to the end of that next game uh, against a good South Dakota State team, uh, I thought we built on the good things that we did and learned from some of the things that we didn't do as well. So there's a lot of things that we can take uh, from those first three games and hopefully uh, get better and more consistent as the year goes on. Chris, appreciate the phone call.
1: The, The stat sheet always has four categories. They've got points in the paint, points off turnovers, second chance points, fast break points. To you, What are the
4: biggest things you look at? Well, we we do look at the uh, paint points are big for us. We want to try to limit paint touches as much as possible. Even uh, when they get the ball in the paint, that a lot of times, especially that first game, led to an open three uh, for uh, for that team from Riverside that we played. Uh, You know, not only scoring in the paint, getting to the free throw line, but also kick out threes, which you want to try to eliminate. Uh, You know, so we we look at paint points. We look at fast break points. That's again the thing for us that we feel like we're going to have an advantage uh, with this team is with our team speed. Uh, So to Establish that early and get the ball up the floor uh, and get fast break baskets. We're going to need to find a way to score uh, easy baskets, and and we did that on uh, on Friday night. So, you had 50 of your 90 were in the paint. Is that a good percentage? What is a good percentage? Yeah, that, that's a very good percentage. Uh, you know, you want to go out there, and again, not only that, but the times you get the ball in the paint, that leads to open shots. You know, Cam got in there a few times and sprayed it out, and we had good spacing on the second side, and, and that's what led to some of those open shots that we made. I think we had six threes. Uh, we also also hit three shots right on the line. Uh, I don't like yeah. shooting those, but uh, you know we talked a lot. We were shooting the ball too far behind the line, so you know maybe that was my fault. Uh, you know that they actually shot those shots on the line, but you know it was a good uh, good performance by our guys. I was proud of the way they responded after a tough loss, and again, hopefully, we can build on this one.
1: Those shots on the line would have been threes last year,
4: <laughs> so maybe the guys haven't quite
1: adapted. Yeah, maybe they were a little confused. Have you? Is it too early to, to know if the move in the line
4: back is going to affect percentages much? Or? It, it has. It, we, we've looked at the numbers. It has affected it a little bit to this point. You know, some of that may be early season. Uh, you know, just part of the the process of getting your offense going. Uh, but, you know, there's teams that have shot it well. You know, look, for example, Riverside that first night hit 14, I think, yeah. out of 28 uh, against us. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll see. I think, you know, as you get a bigger sample size, that, that that will tell. Right. I would think it would
1: go down maybe just a little bit, but just just by the nature, it's a little further back. Let's go to Omaha next. Mark, you're up with the head coach.
3: Good evening. Hey, uh, I have a question as far as um, – what happened to the center in this day and age of basketball? Uh, what what utilization does a center have now that we play around with this three and four? I used to coach uh, junior highball 30-some years ago, and we lived with that center. And the only thing I really see of it anymore is you can play with the lead if you have a center late in the game and secure those uh, secure your leads always. That is my question.
4: Well, yeah, it depends on who the center is. I, I think that's a big part of it. And, uh, you know, there's there's a lot of really good ones. And, you know, a lot of those guys uh, right now, depending on your system and your style, uh, you know, I came from a league, uh, you know, that I spent 19 years in where the, the, the game has completely changed uh, to where your center now is a skilled player uh, that plays out on the floor and they shoot a lot of three-pointers. And, again, you look at the analytics, it's so much different than it was even when I played. Uh, you know, as far as true shooting percentage and where you want to produce uh, your shots on the floor, uh, you know, the, the, obviously we have a center that we think uh, has a chance to be a very good player. In, in Ivan, we uh, Drago. He's he's a guy that's made huge strides since he's been here. Uh, you know, I think sometimes we forget that he's only seventeen years old because of his body, six eight, about two hundred seventy pounds. Uh, but we feel he's got a chance to be a really good player. Uh, you know, he's a guy that uh, you know within our offense, uh, he rolls to the rim, he sucks in the defense. Uh, and that's you know what creates, should create open shots uh, for a team. I think he and Cam Mack have a very good chemistry when they're out there on the floor together. Kevin Cross is kind of a different type of big man that we've had. I had great success at Iowa State. I played George Niang. Uh, a lot at the five spot and he was a mismatched nightmare he pulled the other big guy away from the basket and we had a ton of success uh with a guy like that so you know you really what you look at when you put your roster together is what their skill set is uh how you can best put your players on the floor uh to utilize that skill set and uh you know we're doing the best we can with a group uh that we put together uh we like the pieces that we have and you know you just try to put them out and, and uh, uh you know again allow them to be successful based on their skill sets car right basketball has Changed so much that the center, the offenses always used to go through the post. Absolutely, yeah. Even when I was, you know, when I was playing in the NBA, it was a lot of uh, you throw it in and uh, you play through the center. You 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 go, you cross screen, you try to get them in the post, and uh, and I'll say this: the rules have changed a lot. You know, back, uh, you know. W- 15 20 years ago you could hand check players in the perimeter and and uh, uh you know you throw it in more it was just a much more physical game now with the rule changes of freedom of movement you can't put your hands on anybody uh you're seeing a lot more of uh, uh you're seeing a lot more uh free throws uh it, it, with uh with, with not sorry my son just got in the game here nice uh, but uh you know you're not allowed to uh you know to touch anybody anymore so you're seeing the free throw attempts go up Back in when you were playing at Iowa State, I mean, everybody had
1: big guys. Even Nebraska had Rich King, and Victor Alexander. <coughs> yep. Those big posts that everything kind of – Kansas always had big guys in the league. Still and do. The big eight, still <laughs> does, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're harder to find, though. A they're they're, a, lot, they're six, a lot harder eight. to find.
4: It, it's different. Like I said, it's a different game. There's a lot more of these players with size now. If they want to make it to the league, they have to have a skill set uh, to be able to go out there and play. The, the, the true center – there's just not, oh, foul. All right. The, you know, there's just not too many of those, sorry. There's not too many of those guys uh, out there anymore. Mike D'Antoni changed a lot of that in the NBA? That's a, Yeah, he, he really did. I mean, you know, his, and, and you can't argue with what he's done on yeah. the offensive end. I mean, that team leads the league in offensive efficiency every year, and a big part of that is, uh, you know, their bigs roll to the rim, and they got shooting at every position around that, and that's what a lot of people are modeling their offenses after now. Did
1: he spend time in Europe coaching some and brought some of that with did, him? Yeah,
4: he played in Italy. Uh, he coached in Italy, and, uh, and yeah, uh, you know, I don't know if that's exactly where uh, he got his system, but, you know, his philosophy is to try to score in the first seven seconds of the shot clock. You look at their spacing, it's absolutely perfect. Right. They always get those deep corners filled. Uh, they have that player in the opposite slot. They're always about 15, 18 feet apart. And then you got an active rim roller with a great passer and playmaker. So uh, very simple, but very effective. I think Pike might have played with him in Phoenix for a while. Eric Podkowski,
1: I think maybe they cross paths out there. With, with D'Antoni? Was he out there then? Or was that – who was the coach at Phoenix when Pike played? Spike oh. Pike played mostly with the Clippers, but then he went to the Phoenix yeah, Suns. He played for
4: Gentry or if he did play. I actually so – yeah, It might have been Gentry. After my heart surgery, I actually – that was one of the teams that I looked at going to play for. to join. And Mike D'Antoni said to me, he said, if you can run three-point line to three-point line, you can play in my system. I said, Coach, I can do that. And, uh, you know, I was going to have to make a decision. Their team doctor stepped in and just said, you know, I – not a lot of risk but I can't guarantee there's none and that's really what I was looking for uh, you know after the open heart surgery but I was able to go out on my own terms but it was a pretty attractive situation to go out and play with Steve Nash who I think just won back to back MVPs and to play in that system I think would have been a lot of fun
1: You have two young men sitting out that have to sit out for the year because of the transfer rule and a young man who's as of right now, eligible to play at this semester, can they go with you on this tournament coming up?
4: They can go. They, yeah, they can. They can go on this trip. We actually had to get a waiver uh, for them to travel, uh, but they are able not only to go, but they're able to practice. And you know, it's going to be an important time. And it, with it being a holiday, being over the Thanksgiving holiday, uh, for them to be able to spend time with their teammates and you know, we're, we have a lot of family uh, down there in this trip, it'll be great for those guys. So you guys have like a little Thanksgiving dinner on Thursday? I would think so. Uh, yeah. Shoot, I'll cook it. Luca, have to set that up. Yeah, Luca. Luca's our guy. Yeah, but you know, to get back to you know the question on you know the recruiting and you know everything we've got going, you know again it's it's just something where you know we have players that really need to be interchangeable and you know all five of our guys know all five spots on the floor and we're going to play the guys that give us the best opportunity to win regardless of their size. So you know that will also go into you know what type of player you know we look for. But you know we obviously. Are, are undersized and uh, you know we need to try to get players in here you know and again in any position uh, that gives us a size advantage how'd you feel like your two bigs played on friday Wade, drago and cross i thought they were great and kevin really has gotten comfortable out there after a tough opening night uh, he bounced back with the you know as, he was as good as anybody on the floor with an 18 point night uh, against southern utah and then bounced back played a very efficient game shooting the ball with a lot of confidence uh right now uh so yeah those two guys i think have done done a very good job for us especially as freshmen Ivan, twelve boards. Yeah, twelve boards. Six on the offensive end. Uh, you know, continues to uh, go out there and get more comfortable. He watches a ton of film. Uh, Ivan's probably uh, in my office in the film room as much as anybody. He always wants to come in and watch his clips and what he can do better. Uh, so it's been it's been fun to see uh, the improvement, especially for a guy that works as hard as Ivan does. One guy, coach, it seems like he's really fighting it's Matej Kavas. It's like he just can't quite get that stroke in. Yeah, you know, he's had really good. He he actually had a practice. Two, day, two days before the game where he was seven for ten from the three-point line uh, exhibition game or sorry this scrimmage against Wichita he hit five of them uh, second game he hit two of them uh, might have been the first game but you know he's he's certainly capable and he's a guy that shot 45 percent from the three-point line uh, at Seattle so you know he'll, he'll get it going you know the averages always seem to find a way to even out uh, so you know we just need to do a good job of finding him and looking for him especially in transition and hopefully get him going. Shooters just need to shoot right? Shooters need to shoot yeah we ran to play for him uh, after timeout. We got a really good look for him, good and um, you know, unfortunately, he didn't go down. But uh, like I talked to him about, you know, Mate needs a game to see that ball go in the hole. And once he does that, I think it'll be a big confidence boost, and hopefully he'll be off and running. Thor also had good looks, just didn't connect. He made one three. <laughs> he made the first one. He, he made a really good one coming off a dribble handoff in the, in the first half on the right side of the floor, and then had a couple great looks. Burke found him on a great pass, uh, yeah. uh, on, a, on a nice shake pass out of the corner. And then Cam got him a couple good looks as well but Thor's another guy he's worked extremely hard uh, on his shot he's shooting the ball uh, very well in practice and he's hit some big ones for us in the games
1: I joked earlier that you're kind of playing a football like schedule the game week this isn't bad basketball is more rhythm right it's you not going to last for, it's
4: not going to last much True. longer we, we, we uh, play southern uh, Friday and then we travel to the Cayman Islands on Saturday uh, we'll have one day to practice on Sunday to uh, prepare for Washington State uh, and then play three consecutive games, and then come back. And our schedule uh, you know, really picks up, I think, at Georgia Tech, and then at Creighton, and yeah. then at Indiana, and Purdue at home. So uh, yeah, we're going to play a lot of games in a short amount of time here. Pretty when quickly. you get ready for a tournament, how, how do you divvy up film study? Because you can't prepare in 12 hours or 16 hours for a game. How do you do this? And it's probably going on right now, this week. Yeah, we have coaches, they're looking at everything right now with all the different opponents that we could potentially play uh, in this tournament. And, uh, you know, obviously with the game, uh, very important one on Friday uh, against Southern. And then, you know, we're studying Washington State at this time. Right. And then, you know, you just start preparing for who you may see in the second one. And we've also got film and, and are watching for. Uh, for who will play in the third day? But a lot of these tournaments, you play two days and you have an off day, and then you play uh, the third game. Hopefully, you know we we're fortunate at Iowa State, where we played in Hawaii and we played, we won the championship in the tournament there. And uh, you know, you just you want to put yourself in a great position. But uh, you know, whatever happens, you got to be prepared. Um, you know, the, there's some teams with injuries down there uh, that you thought may be in the championship game; they still may be. Uh, but you're just trying to prepare as best you can. You a fan of tournaments? I like them. Yeah, I do. I, I I think it prepares you for the postseason, and that's you know obviously the most important time is uh, you know when you get that opportunity. You know, hopefully. Um you know, when the when, when the time comes for us, we'll be prepared uh, to go out there and to play in an early season tournament like this that simulates the conference tournament and also the NCAA tournament, uh, give you a chance to see what it's really all about in a short amount of time to prepare uh, for the team and how important it is to lock in on your opponent, uh, play their tendencies, uh, know their personnel, and uh, and get ready for the game. So, yeah, I, I do. I do like these uh, formats. Something you'd like to have one a year, maybe, as you look down the road? Yeah, yeah. It, you know, these exempt events are uh, are very good, and, you know, it's it's a great uh, tournament. I've talked to a lot of people that have played in this Cayman Island uh, tournament. It's uh it's it's a beautiful play. I actually my wife and I went on our honeymoon to the Cayman Islands. So, oh, wow. um but yeah, it's it's a great opportunity, you know, to go in there in a good setting. I know the guy that runs it. He actually was somebody that uh, I worked with in the NBA uh, for several years. So you know, it's a guy that uh, does a great job running these types of events. It always amazes me in the basketball circle, which
1: you would think is so big, usually. A guy knows a guy who knows a guy, and you, you can all interconnect. It's crazy.
4: Yeah, and actually this guy worked with Bobby Lutz at Clemson a oh, long time oh. ago. So, yeah, there's, there's a lot of connections. Um, but he's, uh, he does as good a job as anybody as far as putting these tournaments together. Should be fun. A week from tonight, back right now, the Huskers will be in action playing Washington State.
1: Obviously the guys are going to miss a couple of days of class when you travel down there.
4: How do you handle that? Uh, Well, you hope that they've done a good job to this point. Work ahead. Yep, you work ahead, and obviously you talk to your professors about the time uh, that you're going to miss and uh, either do do your work on the front end or, or make it up uh when you get back. So, um yeah, you, you just try to stay on top of it as well as you can. How have you found the academic support here? Oh, it's incredible. And you just look at the numbers with all the academic all Americans that Nebraska's had over the years. I think they have 70 some, 75, maybe more than Notre Dame who's in second with all-time mm-hmm. academic all Americans. Very impressive. I think they do an Incredible job over there of getting you the support uh, that you need, and, and uh, you know, try to put you in a position where you can be successful. How
1: much do they keep you as coaches in the loop of what guys are doing, or in some cases, not doing?
4: Yeah, they, they do a good job of it, and you know, there's there's meetings pretty much every other day with Luca that uh, that goes over and meets with Dennis LeBlanc, LeBlanc right. who's in charge of the academic. Uh, and you know, again, if the guys go in with the right mentality and put the work in, uh, generally they should do a good job. I've had coaches tell me to pass. If if they don't get their
1: degree or work toward that degree while they're here, it's kind of on them because all the tools that are made available to them here.
4: Yeah, you, you know, you have academic mentors and tutors, and uh, you have everything right there uh, for you if you put the work in, but you have to put the work in. And, and it's a big commitment to come in here, and, you know, but at the same time, it's a, it's so different than what a lot of them, uh, you know, have grown up with or, or, or are used to. Uh, so, you know, I, we talked to them about the importance of getting off to a good start. And, you know, if you give yourself uh, a cushion by getting off to a good start uh, or you know strive to be you know you know an academic all conference or you know if you're fortunate enough to be an academic all-American we had the academic uh, student athlete of the year when I was at Iowa State Melvin Edgem I and he was also the big 12 player of the year so you know again you put the work in I think it, it, it goes hand in hand you put the work in off the court it has a tendency of uh, carrying over on the court what
1: you, you you were gone from college ball for just a couple of years were there were there any tweaks to the rules restrictions on access to guys, the 20-hour time. I think that was in effect when you were at Iowa State. Is, is there much of that that's
4: changed from when you left not, to when you're back? Not too much. I was out for four years with uh, with my time in Chicago, and uh, most of it is pretty pretty similar to what it was. 20-hour 20, 20 rule uh, is still in place. Um, I'm trying to think. I, I don't think there's too many differences. Uh, it seems differences. like they've loosened some of the summer rules for you, that you can work with players more during the summer maybe. That's right, yeah. In fact, I think it used to be there was only four – Groups is all you could do leading into the practices right. in the fall, and then you only had a certain amount of time you could work with them in the summer, which I never thought made any sense. You could be looking out your window and seeing a guy down there working with bad habits, yeah. and just to be able to go in there and correct and, and teach, uh, it's very important. The off season, I think, is the time where you make your most improvements. Uh, you're not preparing for games, obviously, in the summertime, so uh, you know to be able to use that time to teach and, and uh, really work on fundamentals is very important.
1: Well, and I hey. A lot of us bash on the NCA a lot and they deserve it but every now and then they do something right allowing you guys more access to the kids in the offseason makes makes total sense why shouldn't you be around them a little bit
4: well i, I agree 100 percent, and it just yeah it, it doesn't make sense uh you know those guys want in fact especially when they want to be in there when they sure. want to be in the gym now i know there's certain exceptions when there's Coaches that demand that they' be in there for forty hours a week in the off season, uh, but you know the the ones that do it right uh, you can get a lot accomplished. Do you have anybody on the team that you have to send home to go you got to get out of here you 've been here too much today. <laughs> Go home. Go watch a movie. Go do something. There's a few that 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 get in there, but you know, again, if, if you were wanted, probably like I, that, I, I, I was. I you know, I developed into that. I wasn't when I first got there, but you know, I understood how important it was to get that work in and make yourself a better, well-rounded player. I really you know discovered that when I got in the NBA. I was very fortunate. I played with Reggie Miller uh, my first year in the NBA with the Indiana Pacers, and Reggie was getting ready for the Olympic team. I was getting ready for the summer league, and I, I was able to work out with him every day. And spend time with him and go to lunch with him. And, you know, those were some of the best years of my life, just getting that, you know, one on one, you know, tutoring from Reggie Miller uh, to see how hard he worked, a first ballot Hall of Famer. And, you know, I played with Chris Mullen, who's, you know, put six, seven hours a day uh, in the gym. Kevin Garnett was an unbelievable worker. It's no accident that those superstars are as good as they are. Every Monday
1: night, we like to check in with Adam Rittenberg of ESPN.com to check out some of the national scene in the college football world. Adam, just back from Kinnick Stadium in Iowa City, where you saw Minnesota take their first loss. Awesome. But that was fun.
5: Yeah, it was, Greg. And I hadn't been to Kinnick for a couple of years, and, and the game didn't disappoint. You know, Minnesota, I really thought uh, if the game went another quarter, they probably win it. They, they dominated in total yards. Iowa only had 69 yards in the second half. You know, Minnesota... Uh, gave Iowa some trouble with its passing attack. But I credit the Hawkeyes. They also came out with a really creative game plan. And their first half offensively was maybe their best half against a good team all season. They were balanced. They were creative. Nate Stanley was throwing with confidence and they built that 14-point lead that was able to hold up. So you know now it'll come down most likely to Minnesota and Wisconsin. The uh, battle for Paul Bunyan's Axe will also be the battle for the Big Ten West Division. So all is not lost for Minnesota, and they were able to, at least in the second half, handle a pretty tough environment pretty well. They just didn't do enough, especially in the red zone, to win that game.
1: And then a couple of hours later, much further south, Baylor completely gives up a huge 25-point lead, and Oklahoma rallies to win. Uh, more surprised that Baylor gave that up or that Oklahoma had it in him to to come from behind and win like that?
5: You know, seeing Oklahoma as you have the last few years under Lincoln Riley, you can never be surprised at their ability to score points in bunches. So I guess I would I would say more surprised with Baylor losing the lead because, you know, Baylor's been a really good defensive team and that's been some, kind of their calling card along with Uh, quarterback charlie brewer's ability to rally in the fourth quarter but you know this is a good baylor defense and they just didn't have a lot of answers for you know oklahoma offense that was playing without I think their best player is C.D. Lamb. All due respect to Jalen Hurts, who, who put up big numbers and also turned the ball over three times, he, he, he made some plays to win that game. But I, I thought Baylor would, would have a real good chance, to, especially with that 25-point lead, to, uh, to, to win it. But you credit uh, OU. They're, they're not the, the most dominant team in the country, nor are they the most complete team in the country, but they're finding ways to win some tough ones here the last couple of weeks. How do, you, how do you assess
1: Oklahoma's playoff chances here with a couple of weeks left?
5: Yeah, it's not good. Um, they're going to need a lot of help, you know, especially with the likelihood of of Georgia—not the likelihood, but the possibility of Georgia beating LSU in the SEC title game, and both of those teams getting in. You know, Ohio State's been so dominant. Uh, I think that, you know they—they've got a great pass. So does Clemson to get in the playoff. And then you have two Pac-12 teams that are ranked ahead of OU right now um, in the at least in the AP rankings and the CFP rankings. We don't know the next CFP rankings that'll come out tomorrow night but uh, Oregon and Utah are going to be playing each other in the Pac-12 championship game and so they're going to have the opportunity for a signature win whereas Oklahoma's um, opportunities are against you know a a solid but not elite Oklahoma State team and then possibly a rematch with Baylor who will probably be somewhere between 15 and 20 in the CFP ranking so in terms of quality wins it's going to be hard for Oklahoma to get in ahead of in oregon or a uh or a utah and then you still have alabama sitting out there if they're able to win their last two games despite losing their star quarterbacks to a tug of Iloa.
1: yeah let, let's talk about that does that that has to be factored in by the committee doesn't it that their starting quarterback is out for the year
5: oh yeah sure i mean and especially if they don't look like the same team which i don't think they will uh especially in the iron bowl against auburn which is still one of the the nation's better defenses, but uh, you know, again, Mac Jones, if he goes out there and they they put up a, a huge number against Auburn, and and they and, and they look like the same offense, you know, may, maybe you do reconsider, but I think it's going to be awfully tough. You know, Alabama didn't have the resume to begin with. I thought for a playoff contender, especially with some of those other teams that have an opportunity to win a conference championship and, and they don't, um, you know, because they're not going to win the big uh, the SEC West. Uh, so, yeah, but but, it, but it's part of the calculus. I mean, it's one of many factors, um, but it, it's a big one because Tua really was their team. You know, that passing offense is their signature this year. And, and, and I wouldn't expect that to be as dominant now without him.
1: Okay. Just a, uh, three teams now left undefeated. One of those Ohio State will be challenged this week, I would imagine, by Penn State. Do you give the Nittany Lions much of a hope in this one?
5: You know, you have to just based on their athleticism. I mean, they're really the only team in the Big Ten, I think, uh, in Michigan to a degree, but, but I think more so Penn State athlete-wise can match up with Ohio State at many positions. Um, but they're going to have to play a lot better than what I saw a couple of weeks ago at Minneapolis, especially their quarterback, Sean Clifford, who you know missed some opportunities for, for big plays. And I think the way that Ricky Ronnie, their OC calls the game will be very interesting to see if he can create some, some room against this Buckeye defense, which has been so good. And, Get Chase Young back from his suspension, um, but but and then Penn State's defense, you know, which again their front seven is as good as any in college football, but Minnesota also exposed them in the back end. It looked like they had never defended an RPO, and even though their own offense runs RPOs, and, and talking to some coaches around the league, you know, they, they said that Penn State's secondary just isn't as talented or nearly as talented as the front seven. So you can imagine Ryan Day and, and Kevin Wilson and, and Mike Yersich and certainly Justin Fields. We'll be looking at that and saying, okay, we can hit this team with, with passes over the top, and especially with, with how good Fields has played this year.
1: All right, what else on the national scene catches your eye for this week?
5: Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's kind of the week before the, the, yeah. the, the big rivalry. week. I think, you know, Georgia is, is one of the teams that they, you know, they're, they're, they don't get an easy one. Texas A&M comes in uh, to Sanford Stadium, and I know A&M has been a team that hasn't really been talked about a whole lot. This season, but they you know, they played a really tough schedule. They're kind of like uh, Auburn, and, and maybe this is the time where Jimbo Fisher's team, uh, you know, gets a get signature win. Now they have LSU the following week, so they're going to have two chances at that. But but I would definitely keep an eye on uh, A and M and and Georgia, and then um, you know, a game that I'll at least attend for part of the game is, is going to be out in Arizona with uh, Arizona State hosting Oregon. You know, Arizona State you know, has some talent under Herm Edwards. They're really struggling lately, but uh, you know, they, they beat Michigan State earlier this year. You know, they have a, a, some decent wins, and, and maybe they, they at least put a scare into Oregon, which, again, I think has to win out. Both Pac-12 teams have to win out in order to make the playoff, and so that's a game that uh, certainly I'll be watching.
1: Adam, when do you think some of these schools that have already opened their job, Rutgers, Arkansas, Florida, say how soon do they do they name a guy? Are they do they do you have to wait till the end of the year? I'm a little surprised. Maybe like Chiano hasn't come to terms with Rutgers at this
5: point. Yeah, you're not alone on that one. I mean, that, there was an expectation that this would get done last week. But keep in mind, when Greg Chiano coached Rutgers, they were in the Big East, and it was a lot easier to win in the Big East than it is in the Big Ten East. And so, I think what he's concerned about is if I am going to come back and you obviously want me back, what type of resources am I going to have to compete? Because they aren't competing they haven't been competing in this conference uh, lately. So that's where the negotiations are at right now. And then he's ultimately got to decide if they do make the commitment, if he indeed wants the job and if not, you know, they're going to move on to other candidates, but it has taken some time, you know, Florida state, uh, their athletic director, um, you know, said that they would try to get a coach in place by the end of the month. I think that was a little bit presumptuous for a guy that's, has not spent a whole lot of time in, in college athletics. A lot of these things in the interviews only take place after the regular seasons and coaches are, are more available to do those types of things. So I, I think we're still thinking a couple of weeks out for, for, for that one, but there's you know, some interesting subplots. USC plays its final regular season game this weekend. We're still expecting a coaching change there with Clay Helton. But what does Gus Malzahn do? If, if Auburn goes eight and four, does he go back to Arkansas? Is he on Florida state's radar? Is he going to stay put? At Auburn, and what are they going to do with him? So, you know, there's still some interesting subplots out there. Boston College is another one that I could see opening here relatively soon if they don't turn it around. Yeah.
1: Well, you're right. This week's kind of the, the week before the big storm of all the rivalry games next week. We're certainly going to look forward to that. But uh, every week in college football, as we've learned, is always something special. Adam, we appreciate it. Have a great week. Are you going anywhere this weekend?
5: Yeah, yeah. Going down to the desert. Uh, I'm going to check out at least part of the Oregon arizona state game and then drive down to tucson to see uh, i think all of the utah arizona game is those two teams on a a collision course in the pac-12 championship game and, and suddenly that league's relevant in the playoff conversation so excited to get out there a little warmer weather and and we'll see what type of games we get all right enjoy
1: that we'll talk again next week thanks adam thanks greg thanks to ben to tim to mick and everybody for being a part of this one we'll do it again tomorrow night good night